And to that, John 15. It was Jesus that was speaking. And he needed to introduce himself to the disciples. And he was using um, an illustration that will help them understand what he was saying. Looking at every tree. Every tree has a vine. There is also the branches and uh, those that take care of it. So he said, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. The implication of that is that there can be other vines that are not true. He said, I am the true vine. It means that he's reliable. It means that everything that Jesus says, you can depend on it. He doesn't tell a lie. He's sincere. He's an embodiment of truth. In fact, he's truth by himself. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And he also said, every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away, and except every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So he said that we who are following him in discipleship, we are branches. And I pray that we will never be tempted to take the place of the vine. We are branches. We are only attached to the vine. And the implication is that we draw nutrients and support only from the vine. You can never draw strength. You can't be fruitful if you are detached from the vine. And so he was saying, look, if you don't have a relationship with me, if you as a branch decides that you want to operate independently, you can't go anywhere. And of course, you know practically, just go outside here. There is no branch of this tree that you take away that will survive. Give it just maybe a few days. It will dry up. Now, it is not enough for you to be born again. Whereas that is the first step. Your consistency in connecting with the vine is what sustains you. If you see our elder brothers in the faith who have been there standing for 30, 50, 60 years, if you ask them the secrets of what is keeping them, they will simply tell you that they have decided to abide. It's just to abide. It's not by what you can do. Our responsibility is to abide in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has said that he takes away and every branch that does, does bear fruit, he does what? He prunes that it may bear more fruit. That is, when he noticed that your life is becoming fruitful. You know, the Christian life is at different levels. There's a pruning that makes you more fruitful. Uh, did you notice this? If you are genuinely born again, you discover that uh, when you first gave your life to Christ, there were certain things you can just ask God, He'll give you. you. Just say, Baba, I need biscuits. He'll just give you. There are things that you don't even pray for. There's this tender care that He gave to us at that beginning because He acknowledged that we are babies. But you will come to another level. 
where you need to be pruned. See, some of us are very childish. And one thing God will do is to deal with childishness in our hearts. And sometimes, this pruning can come by allowing things that you don't like to happen to you. You know that there are some of you, the way you are brought up, you can't eat, uh, you can't eat beans without Gary. That's the way you were brought up. There are certain things that you are so, so choosy and so selective. If God wants to help you, he'll bring you to a tight corner of pruning where you will not have access to those delicacies so that you learn life. Because you're on a journey, you don't know where he's taking you to. What if he throws you as a missionary to a village where there's no guy? Won't you survive? Some of us, he has to, tr- to, to prune our appetite. There are some of you that is your mouth that need to be pruned. The way you talk is it's not like a Christian. When you speak, and sometimes some people will speak like that and they will back it up. They say, that is our nature in our family. That is the way we talk. Don't mind me. That is the way we were brought up. If you are serious on this journey in discipleship, God will have to prune you. Some of us, he will prune us from ambitions. There are certain, you call them targets. There are certain things you say they are targets you want to achieve in life. But you are not very sure that it is God leading you. He will prune you of all of those things. May the Lord prune our lives. I didn't hear the amen. Amen. Now that you have said amen, watch out for experiences. A Christian life is not theoretical, it's practical. It's a laboratory test. Where the amen will be tested. And this comes by experiences. We were discussing the new, the old life the other time. If somebody match you in the family house, you know there's a tendency of just saying, don't worry, the Lord bless you and all of that. What if that happens to you inside Keke? I was challenging some SS3 students somewhere today. I told them that it's not by talking that you are a Christian that I know. Let us see in the exam hall. When you are writing, why? That is when I will know that you are taking a stand for God. Forget about mouth. So, God deliberately arranges these experiences to prune us. It's not that He hates us. You know, we are brought up in a Christianity that you, you just think that uh, uh, God is a God of miracles. And that is why He's your Father. So it means that if God does not do a miracle, he's no longer your father. It takes us through experiences. Do you know that last week what we were considering? All that Joseph was passing through was a pruning. So that he will reach his dream. Oh, and that brother endured. He wanted to dodge at a point. You remember he interpreted dream for someone. He said a person should remember him. He wanted to dodge the step. God baptized that man with forgetfulness. He didn't even remember until the time came when God remembered him through that man. You know, there are some of you that are in service here, you are doing connections. 
You think that is how connected you are that things will go on well. It's not bad though. People can help you. Now my Pentecostals talk of destiny helpers. There are people there that can help you. But after you have finished your connections, know that every connection can be disconnected. Except the Lord holds it together. May the Lord pronounce in the name of Jesus Christ. So if um, these things happen to us, these are the experiences. So he said, you are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Now what's the meaning of that? Cleansing comes only by the word of God. You know, there are, there's this mistake that some of us are making. You love music so much, but you don't give attention to the word of God. As good as music is, including prayer, if these things are not anchored on the word of God, you can't go far. The word of God is the instrument that God uses to cleanse us. Jesus said you are cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Do you know that Judas went into what he went because he didn't receive that word to an intent that it will cleanse him? Why the other disciples could do that? So he said you are cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. May God give us an appetite for his word. So Psalm 119 verse 9 said, how can a young man cleanse his ways? You know, any time I read that scripture, I keep asking, I said, why is it a young man? Why did the Bible not say, how can an old man? You know, most temptations that results to impurity of heart and all of that, it's, it's usually young men that suffer from such things. You can't ask my, my 86-year-old father, can't struggle with masturbation. Even if he's not born again, age will not permit it. There are certain things that the devil releases to corrupt young men. And the only instrument that God has made available for our cleansing is what? The word of God. I see some of you are privileged to be in a place like this. And you are joking. I told you last week that your service here is a time of training. Is a time of preparation. Yeah. And sometimes when we are not careful, activities, they, they, we, we, we keep doing activities and activities and we don't have time for our personal lives. How much of the word of God is in you? So he said you are cleansed by the word I what? I have spoken. And he went on to say, abide in me. And I in you. And he said, if you do that, if you continue to abide in me and I abide in you, anything that you ask in my name, what will happen? I will give you. You know that every promise has a condition. There's a tendency to go back and quote that scripture in the place of prayer. Say, Father, you said anything that I ask in your name, you will give it to me. Give me this, this, this. But there's a condition attached to that. What is the condition? That you abide. You must fulfill the condition before you will see result. I was filling a form online. I'll just feel, feel, I'll go very far. They, as I wanted to go and try to submit and all of that, they said, 
something appeared they said uh, something like is it form issues or issues on the form so all this while that i was filling the form there were some issues i didn't attend to and because i have done that i cannot submit it i have to go back and sort out those issues before i complete the form and those issues now have become the condition for completing that form so if jesus said abide the only thing you will do to obey that scripture is to abide. And one thing I notice with God is that when we do our part, his part is automatically settled. Praise the Lord. But he said that if, he also went on to say that those that do not abide, they are going to wither and they will gather them, the branches, and set fire on them. There are many brothers and sisters who say they are born again, but they have been withered. They have been withered. There is no nourishment again. And you know that if you are sensitive to the Spirit, when you are coming to that point, you will know. When you notice that your prayer life is going down, you notice that you who used to take... The things of God, seriously. There's no passion again. There's no drive for the things of God. There's no zeal. You know, it's an indication that something is going wrong. And when you wither, it means that you are going to be thrown away. May that not be our portion. But because of time, how can we sustain this experience? How can we abide? How can we continuously have fellowship with the Lord in order that we will experience all that he's talking about? Titus said, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto how many people? All men. So one of the things that we need to abide as branches in the vine is the grace of God. And what is the grace of God? The grace of God is that divine ability. That God donates to you to do what ordinarily you can't do by yourself. A man of God described the grace of God like as balloon. This balloon you fill with air dropped on water. I think you know it will not sink. You fill a balloon with air and drop it on water. It's going to float. The grace of God in a man's life makes you to float on top of sin. Things that makes others to sink. The grace of God sees you through. But that grace, first of all, brings salvation. Because you cannot save yourself by yourself. The grace of God that appears to us brings salvation. And I tell you that that grace has already appeared. By reason of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, we only need to key into it. And so by this, we don't have any excuse. There is grace to abide. There is grace to keep in touch with the word of God. There is grace to follow the Lord Jesus in discipleship. 
There is grace to overcome challenges of life. Anytime I read the Bible, I discover that God is so merciful. The kind of provisions he has made for our deliverance, we don't have excuse. Look at the provision of the blood. Look at the provision of the cross. Look at the Holy Spirit. Look at the grace of God that he has made available unto each and every one of us. So if you are living in sin, there are two things. Either you are ignorant of this provision that God has made, or you deliberately want to be stubborn. Because the grace of God that the Lord has made available is there. Permit me to ask you whether you are born again. Because that is the first experience you are supposed to have. Some of us say you have given your life to Christ, but you can't trace how it, how it happened. We are not talking of this thing they do this day that a, a preacher was preaching a crusade and say all the people that their stomach is paining them, let them come to the altar. And then he prayed for them for healing. Then you conclude that you are saved. It's not true. You only went there for a miracle. And the greatest, the, the, the greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation. Please note that the greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation. It's not that somebody sent 50,000 into your account. Oh, you were sick and you were healed. As good as that is, the greatest miracle that God can do to a life that he loves is to bring that life to the cross. Whether you misinterpret it, the word of God cannot change. Have you met, have you encountered the grace of God? Have you met Jesus? The reason is because discipleship is not possible when you have not encountered Christ. You can't train a, a lizard to become a crocodile. Their nature is not the same. It will only become a fat lizard. You see, there are some people that are, they, their head is, is full of the knowledge of the word of God, but their hearts are empty. And God is not looking for the head. He's looking for what? The hearts. And so that encounter that has not affected and changed your heart, I think uh, is a pecking encounter. And you need to cry for a genuine experience. Because the word of God saying, Ezekiel said, 36, he said, I will give you a new heart. You can't say you are born again and you are still carrying the old heart. It's not possible. This one that some brothers say they are born again and you are still keeping uh, uh, phone numbers or your old girlfriends. You are keeping in touch with them. They can't know what has happened to you. It didn't happen to some of us who when I gave my own life to Christ, I was moving around begging my old girlfriends to forgive me. That's what some of us did do. Places that we could not, I gave phone calls. Say, I called to announce to you that this is what has happened to me. That James that I used to know died. There's a new James now who cannot continue with you. And by the grace of God, we didn't go back. 
Oh, you know, it's, you, you, you say somebody say, I am born again. But you are still watching pornography. You say you are born again. But we can't keep you with a sister for one hour and she will be intact. What kind of, what kind of experience is that? What you need now is the grace of God that will bring salvation. Genuine experience so that deception can start. You can't follow Jesus if you have not first received him. Praise the Lord. That's the first thing. And finally, the word of God says that even after we have encountered this grace for salvation, this grace continues to teach us. The grace of God is a teacher. This grace teaches us. And what does it teach us to do? To say no or to deny what? Ungodliness. Oh my God. There is this grace that you are going on the internet and something will just pop up. Which is arranged by the devil. There is this grace inside that will say my eyes cannot behold iniquity. How many of you went to internet and only diverted to sites you didn't plan for? You lack grace. You lack grace. When you see people that are easily annoyed, nobody can touch you and go free. You know you lack grace. There is this grace of God that helps you to, 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 to stay on top of anger. It's the grace of God that does that. I don't have time to share experiences with you. There is this grace that will make you to survive in the midst of sisters without lusting after them. Jacob lacked that grace. He went to one man's family and married how many wives? Huh? Did Moses do that? You remember Moses in Jethro's house? You know the girls that that man had? He didn't hide them. It was the, his disciple at Jethro that married for him. If some of us here, you would have seen vision before your disciple. That's grace. That's the grace we are talking about. There is this grace as a leader to handle issues without compromising. You know, if you are not, if you are a leader, and you are not careful. There is a temptation to be to be partial. There are some people that are in your good book, and there are others that you don't consider them to be anything. I think even among couples, there are levels. Some people look down on others. If you are here like that, repent. We are brethren. What made you so special? What do you have that you have not received? Don't you know that leadership is a tenure? Should be another person who come. So why don't you serve? You need grace. You need grace to pray. You need grace to say no to ungodliness, to deny worldly passion. Oh my God. And we are in a generation that there are many passions of the world. 
Sometimes you see our sister with Android phones. It's not uh, good news that they are reading on the Bible. They are checking dresses, fashions. Of uh, they are searching, going to website to check fashions, different fashions of different uh, and that. There are some sisters you see there here. They are very spiritual. Wait for them after service. When you see them on the street, you can't believe it. You know, if you are not very careful, there is this tendency that when you are in a Christian community, you enter into the mood. You are just spiritual because everybody is spiritual. When they ask you, say, Shabi, they say we should not do that now. That's not what you are. You know that there are some of you here that what is controlling you is rules and regulations. But you can't be in Christ and be controlled by rules. You have a teacher. There's a teacher inside who tells you what to do and what not to do. Is it, uh, I had a history, is it John Wesley or so? When they were growing up in those days, they opened the holy club or something. They said, when you are talking to a woman, you stay two meters away. So that you are not tempted to, thank God that they came back to the truth. Those rules only make you proud. It's not about Rusarud, it's about Christ. Once the cross has taken place, you have the teacher who will tell you that don't go to this corner, don't do this, don't do that. So when you see somebody uh, born again, whether a brother or sister is coming and asking a question, and so now that I'm born again, how do you want us to be dressing? How do you want us to be doing this? If you have the teacher inside and you care to ask, he will teach you. You don't need those, those rules and regulations. Are you here and you are being caught up by worldly passions? Can you bow down your head and pray? Lord, help me. I need grace. Brother, you need grace. Don't assume that you are in the midst of brethren, so it's okay. You need grace. Sister, you need grace. Ask for grace to abide. Grace not to wither. Grace to, to remain in the vine. Even if others choose to go their own way, you can't compromise your faith, my sister. You have to take your stand. You just need grace for that. Can you pray for grace to say no to unworthiness? Grace to say no to worthy relationships. Lord, I need grace. Lord, I need grace. Lord, I need grace. Have mercy on me. 
Can you try to bring your prayer to a close? Because of time. When we finish from here, you can pray further. In Jesus' precious name we pray. I sense that there is somebody in this meeting tonight that lacks grace. Or perhaps you need to give your life to Christ so that your discipleship will start. You have noticed that there are certain things around your life because you lack the grace of God. And you are saying, Father, help me. Lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. Do that very quickly. There's somebody here who is saying, Lord, I need, I need help from you. I lack your grace. You have spoken to me this night. I sense that there is something wrong that you need to correct in my life. Give me the grace to say no to ungodliness. Can you lift up your hand where you are? I want to pray for you now. God bless you, my brother. Is there any other hand? Before we pray, if you don't take this decision quickly, we leave you behind. When we are coming next week, the Holy Spirit will be coming at another level. God bless you, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any other person? Is there a sister here that you discover that you are, you are lost in worldly passion? Your heart, your heart has gone to the world. And you are saying, Father, have mercy on me tonight. Can you join these hands that are up so that we can pray together now? I'm going to pray now. Thank you, Father, tonight for these hands that are lifted unto you. I bless you, O God, whatsoever be the issues of their lives. We stand with them, our Father. We ask that let the blood, the blood of Jesus, bring cleansing to their souls in the name of Jesus Christ. If they are not born again, please forgive them, our Father, and write their names in the book of life. And if they have been born again already, but they have lost your grace and they are asking for restoration, I stand with them to pray that, Lord, May your grace return again to their lives much more in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, for the rest of us, we ask for grace to say no to ungodliness. Grace to say no to worldly passion. Grace to abide. Grace to continuously abide in the vine all the days of our lives. Thank you for hearing us. Blessed be your name, our Father. For in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen. And let the people say amen.